I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. I am back to host and organize this podcast and keep these buffoons on track. No, nah, I'm just kidding, guys. You did a great job while I was out. I had the vid. I got the vid from the game. But uh, if you ask me, completely worth it. Uh, completely worth it. But uh, let's open it up, the show. All right? Open up the show with, here we go. <laughs> let's open up the show. We we are officially in the holiday season. I want to know, Ethan and Corey, what is your favorite Christmas movie to watch? Um, my favorite Christmas movie is. Oh man, that is so tough. <clears throat> I love a Christmas story. And I love It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Just want to let everyone know Ethan is 50 years old. Yeah, that's actually accurate. I grew up when, like, those were the only Christmas movies anyone watched. Um, Obviously, Elf is a really good one. I think for me, the most nostalgic that, like, attaches to my childhood specifically the most is probably like it's tied between two movies. It would be tied between a Christmas story, which like we always watched and Polar Express, which actually is a movie that came out when I was a kid. So like I have the greatest attachment, I think probably to Polar Express. We already watched that like as a family. Um, so I, I don't know. That's a really good question. I I mean, Elf is obviously like just a hilarious, great movie. It's it's so funny. But I don't know. That's a good question. Ethan, how how did Polar Express came come out when you were a kid when uh, you were born in 1932? <laughs> okay, I I would say Elf, but also I have a soft spot for the like the. I guess what would you call him? The claymation, like, like Rudolph. Rudolph's probably my favorite, like Christmas, like special. I love Rudolph. Every time I don't see it for Christmas, it just doesn't feel right. Like the old, old one. Yeah, like the old, old one where you know, like, it's like the really weird looking animation. My sister was watching. I'm getting told that I was born in 1932, and. Corey's favorite Christmas movie was made before that. Corey's favorite Christmas movie was the first Christmas movie. Yeah. Legit. Like, no joke. That might actually be true. Can't can't disrespect the classics like that. But Kelsey was watching it with uh with uh her daughter, Kinley, and was texting in the family chat and was like, I don't like how Santa was so rude to Rudolph. And then I was like, yeah, until he realized that he could make money off of him. And then I was like in the chat, Santa's a greedy capitalist. And then my mom was like, pastors shouldn't be cynics. And then I was like, Rudolph is an allegory for the oppressed. So I got really political and my family did not like it. Everyone loves that weird cousin who gets political around the holidays. That's you, Corey. Alex, what Alex, what's what's your favorite Christmas movie? My favorite Christmas movie is The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. That was the movie that I always watched as a kid, and I love all three of them. I love 
Santa Claus 2. I love the third one, the Escape Clause. I love the whole series. And I think it's like the perfect amount of funny and nostalgic. Tim Allen is hilarious. And then the last one even has Martin Short. And Martin Short is just like a freaking comedic genius. So the Santa Claus is my favorite. Re rewatching the Santa Claus as I'm like an adult now. Oof. It's it's a tough one. It's it's Why? it's tough. the acting is so bad aside from Tim Allen in that movie. The acting is the it acting's is really not. bad. The CGI is so so terrible. And it it just is one of those it's one of those movies that like it it's so much better as a childhood memory than it is as like an actual movie. I will not take the slander of the Santa Claus CGI when the Polar Express is like, let's, whoa, make, whoa, these, let's make these characters look as much like humans, but like, let's make them look like aliens that are trying the to unca- look like The uncanny valley. animation at the time. It's the uncanny valley. It's the human-like, but not exactly human. It makes people feel uneasy. I love Polar Express, but lots of people don't for that exact reason. Polar Express over the Santa Claus 10 times out of 10. But Rudolph Top. Okay, well... Okay, I'm... yeah. No, we we can all ag- agree to disagree on that being true. Yes, we can. And we can all agree that if you love Big Ten football, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Big Banter, everybody. Uh, if you're here for the first time, just go ahead and hit follow and, and like and subscribe wherever you're listening because... You're going to want to hear more of us, trust me, because we bring you the best Big Ten football stuff out there. Follow us on the socials, Instagram and threads, and uh, on X, Twitter as well. We are at B1G Banter Pod on Instagram and threads and at B1G Banter on X. And boy, we've got some stuff to talk about. So I wasn't here last episode. Let me gloat for a second. Three in a row, baby. Michigan owns Ohio State. We didn't need Connor Stallions. We didn't need Jim Harbaugh. No more excuses. Michigan's just flat out better than them. They're better than you, Ohio State. So they take the Big Ten crown once again, beating Iowa 26-0, to I believe was the final score of that one. Um Boys, there were some people in danger on Saturday night as well, and they were not on the field. They were in Iowa. Did you hear about the virtual golf uh, yes. business? Yes. That served free beer until Iowa scored. No, no, no. Okay, they're doing it again for the bowl game against Tennessee. I saw that. Incredible stuff. But also, hey, Alex, shut up for a second because, uh, Ethan, uh, do you want to tell the people what we were doing the weekend of the Big Ten Championship? Um, I was at Corey's house, which is in Indianapolis, going to the Big Ten Championship game, watching Michigan catch the third undisputed Big Ten title in a row. No way, you were at Corey's house? Because I was at Corey's house, and I also went to the Big Ten Championship game with Ethan. Yeah. Yeah, I think we went together. <laughs> no way. I, and, I, and I think we watched it together. It was pretty great. It was pretty It was pretty fun. 
all all of our all of our friends and most important people were there. Well, I'm sorry that I had to take my son to the ER because we all got COVID. Uh, I wouldn't have gone anyways because I wanted sue sue me for wanting to watch a Big Ten championship game with my son. Sue me, okay? Uh, sue me for being a good father. All right. I was taking care of my son at the game. He was there with me. I have. A- That's right, Dad. <laughs> I did hear that Ethan does call you Daddy when you guys hang out together. Oh. I have heard that rumor. Oh, Lord. Father. It's Father. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Father Corey Ham. Okay. Well, I feel like we don't really have to break down the game too much. The game went as expected. Iowa couldn't score. Michigan did eventually. Michigan got out of the game mostly healthy. They didn't get hurt any worse than they were going into it. So Michigan's a Big Ten champs, okay? So now we know that they're going to the playoff. They are the number one overall seed. So let's talk about the playoff. Let's talk about Michigan's matchup. And first, we're going to talk about the playoff controversy because a lot has been well, let's just get into it. Ethan, go ahead. I I need to go first on this because Hold on, let me give let me give the rankings first. Let me give the top 6. So Michigan comes out with the number 1 seed. Uh they are 13 and 0, number 1. They will play Bama, who got in as the 4 seed after upsetting Georgia. 2 is Washington after upsetting Oregon, and they will play Texas, who came in at number three after winning the Big 12. So Michigan, Washington, Texas, Bama is your top four. And then coming in at five, here's where the water gets hot, Florida State, who ends up 13-0 and as ACC champs. They are the first ever undefeated Power 5 conference champ to be left out of the college football playoff. And then Georgia dropped to six, and just for kicks and giggles, Ohio State came in at seven, and Penn State at 10, Iowa at 17. That rounds out the Big Ten for the college football playoff rankings, the final ones. So let's talk Florida State-Bama. That has been what everyone's been talking about the last couple of days. So, Ethan, go <sighs> on. We, we Houston, we have a problem. Okay? I, I, I'm – I'm going to try and stay as level-headed about this as possible, but it hurts my brain to listen to the analysts on ESPN and things like that talk about this. Oh, my God. It's mind-numbing because we did neither of two things, do one or do the other. We did neither. We, We didn't accomplish either goal. Either, number one, you put the four best teams in regardless of what record is and all of that stuff, which is stupid, but it's one way to go about it. No other league, no other anything does this, by the way. Everything is determined by your play on the field in every other league, in every other situation. And by predetermined criteria of what it takes to get to the postseason 100% 100% you don't say oh well um the Red Wings are the Red Wings have a better record than pick another random team in the Atlantic but 
we think we think the Florida Panthers are better. They so had a better gonna, strength of schedule. So we're going to put them in the postseason. It, nobody does that. And for the committee to say, well, we were we we were putting who we believe are the four best teams in. No, you didn't. That that's a lie. You did not put the you didn't put the four best teams in because if you were putting who you believe to be the four best teams in, the four the, the here here would have been the rankings. Are you ready? Michigan one, Alabama two, Georgia three, and Washington four. If they were trying to put in the four best teams, that is what the rankings would have been. That's the rankings that you would have seen. Because in my opinion, and I think in the vast majority of people's opinion, those are the four best teams in the country. Are there those four teams right there? Those four teams would be, or I'm sorry, the number four team would not have been Washington. It would have been Texas. I apologize. Those four teams would be favored against any other teams in the country on neutral fields. So we did not do that. So the argument for, well, they were trying to put in the four best teams dies right there. That dies right there. So you took Alabama because you have to have the SEC because it's a birthright, apparently, for the SEC to get in. And I had many conversations with Corey after the game was over, after the Big Ten championship game was over. And I said to him multiple times, there's no way they leave Florida State out. They just can't do it. How many times did I say that to you, Corey? Over 30. Yeah, it, because it it makes no sense. And to have a ludicrous criteria like you lost your quarterback, so we hold that against you. What other sport does such a thing? They won even after he was gone. They won in a super hostile environment in Florida in a rivalry game against a team that is just as good, if not better, than the Auburn team that Alabama had to have a fourth and 31 miracle against, and they leave them out of the playoff. And then they beat a Louisville team that I believe at the time was still top 10 in the CFE rankings. No, because they had lost a second game to Kentucky, to top, unranked Kentucky. Top 15 still. They were top 15, yes. Would it have mattered if, if Louisville was like hadn't lost that game to Kentucky? Like, Would that have mattered? I, it's so convoluted and so stupid that it, it, makes my, it makes my brain hurt. Because when people try and say, well, they put the four best teams in, that's a lie. Can we all agree that that is a lie? They did not do that. I'm 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 really wanting to hear your guys' thoughts on this because that part of it breaks my brain. Yeah, I I think the whole thing is a jambled mess because you reward Michigan and Wisconsin or not Wisconsin, Washington, excuse me, for being these undefeated Power Five teams, and you're like, okay, yeah, they're for sure. And everybody was like, if those teams win, then they're a lot. Absolutely. In Florida State, this wasn't a situation where it was USC last year where they were in the playoff at four with a loss. 
and then they play another they play a team that they played before and then they lost again. Florida State was was in. Okay, and now you're asking them to go to the their conference championship and win to stay in and they do that. I don't know what you have to do as a Power 5 conference other than win all if you win all your games, you're in the playoff. That's how it's been forever since the beginning of this thing. And then they go down a spot after winning a conference championship with a third-string quarterback. If anything, that should move you up a spot because, A, this third-string quarterback isn't going to play in four weeks when Brubaker is healthy and not concussed. And, B, they shut down, a, I believe they were at least a, a top-20-ranked offense in the conference championship with no passing game. Absolutely not. If anything, that should give you credit to, you know, what Florida State had done on the field. I don't understand it one bit, but I can tell you this. One, I can tell you this, and this is a lot of the dialogue that's going on right now. What on earth is the point for anybody to schedule any difficult non-conference games from here on out? Because, A, you're expanding the playoffs. Okay, so if this were a 12-team playoff, Florida State would be in, hands down, for sure. But B, what did Florida State do this year? They scheduled two SEC schools, one of which was against LSU, who has basically the Heisman Trophy winner on their team, and they waxed them. Absolutely. So that game doesn't matter? That's the big, bad SEC. You just beat one of the best teams in that, in that conference, which, by the way, ESPN counted LSU as a key win for Alabama, but not Florida State. So the whole that we didn't understand the reasoning. There's no transparency with with what that is. And sorry, FSU. No, 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 uh, Corey, Corey, you you're giving too much credit because you're you're saying we didn't understand the reasoning. There is no reasoning. the The reasoning is dollar signs. Well, that is the I reasoning. Think- I think we do understand the reasoning because they have written in their like college football playoff bylaws or whatever that they will take into account injuries moving forward and projections if teams are without players. So I think we do know we, the reason. But Alex, we've seen this exact same situation play out and them not take it into account. We've seen the exact same thing. Are you talking about Ohio State? Yeah. We've seen it in Ohio State. Yeah, we've seen it with Ohio State. We've seen it with, oh, my word. Of course, now it's going to leave my brain. Oh, who entered the playoff missing key players? Uh, Washington. Washington had one of the years when they made the playoff, or the only year, two of like their their top five players were injured, weren't going to be able to play in that game. But uh, it, it, it's it's pick, it's a pick and choose mentality. I know, but mentality. I'm not trying. Hold on, hold on. The SEC. Hold on, I'm not trying to def- to defend ah. the committee. Barkley, shut up. I'm not trying to defend the committee. I'm just saying we know the reason why. But the longer I think about the reason why, the more it makes me mad because. To be honest, I wasn't that upset at first when I saw Alabama got the four spot because honestly, I was expecting it. 
there multiple days before the weekend happened, I thought to myself, if they have a chance to remove Florida State without Jordan Travis, they will do it. And the one, the best shot of them doing that was going to be Alabama, and yeah, and having a reason to put Saban and Alabama in there. But to your point, Ethan. I'm listening to ESPN and I'm hearing them say, well, the committee's job is to put the four best teams in. And I thought the same thing. They didn't do that. I I thought the same thing. If you were putting the four best teams in, Georgia gets in. Uh, Maybe Ohio State even gets in. Maybe it's Texas and Washington still. But regardless, Georgia's in. So you didn't put the four best teams in. Then you have to understand, okay, it's got to be some combination of four best and most deserving. So Bama beats your number one seed, the team that's been number one all year and has this incredible winning streak and won two back-to-back national championships in Georgia. Yeah? But you're not taking into account the rest of Bama's body of work. Number one, they lost a game at home to Texas. Okay, Texas is a good team, but they lost at home. Alabama also was tied at halftime on the road at South Florida. They beat Texas A&M. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not mentioning the fact that they barely won that football game. Yeah, they only won by two scores against South Florida. It was a tie. The two scores is very misleading. That happened very late in that game. Yes. That was a game into the fourth quarter. It was, 100%. And then against Texas A&M, who was some such a dumpster fire, they had to fire their coach. They beat them by six. And then against Arkansas, who almost fired their coach, they beat them by three. And then against Auburn, they literally needed a prayer answered from God to beat a super bad Auburn team. And for some reason, the committee looked at the Georgia game and they looked at the Louisville game and said, Obviously, Bama's the better team. Not taking into account what Corey just said, which is Florida State's quarterback who played in that game was not going to be the quarterback that played in the playoff. It was going to be their second stringer. And on top of that, I heard Dominique Foxworthy was actually the only one who said something intelligent on ESPN. You can look at Alabama. The committee can look at Alabama and say, if you wanted to make the playoff, you should have done this thing better. And the thing being not losing, the committee has to look at Florida State and say, the only thing you could have done better is not get your quarterback's leg broken. They literally could not have done anything else better. Everything else was out of their control. And especially Jordan Travis hopping on Twitter and he's like, I'm heartbroken because like, what do you? What else do you want these guys to do? And he's saying to himself, "I wish I would have broken my leg earlier in the season, so you guys could have seen." We've got a kid. I yes, he's making millions of dollars, nil, whatever. Who cares? Who gives a rip? We have a kid saying, "Break my leg earlier, like give me the horrific injury that I sustained earlier," because literally that is the only flaw with this Florida State team here in this committee rankings. I'm going to play devil, devil's advocate for, for just a second here. That wasn't the only thing playing against Florida State. I do think the fact that they played <clears throat> close games against some inferior opponents, like what we pointed out with Alabama, but not to the extent that Alabama did. 
not with the not with the caliber of opponent that Alabama did, and Alabama lost a game. They lost. They played a game, and they ended up with less points than their opponent at home. End conversation. Conversation over. I don't care. I don't care if Florida State had half their team break their legs in a tragic rollover bus accident. And now you got a bunch of players who are out. Well, they still went out there and won all their games because then games don't matter. You have basically told us the games don't matter. And you're telling us that you know better what a team is capable of than the actual what the on-field results are telling. I was going to say then the on-field results. Yeah, which means they don't matter. I th- this is so mind-numbingly stupid because every single time I heard one of the analysts say, "Well, this was putting in the four best teams." You're a moron. You're stupid. You're stupid because they didn't do that. If you wanted if if we wanted to do it that way, guys, all we have to do is have have everyone play your full season, okay? Go play go play your 12 games. You ready for this? And then have Vegas tell you what four teams would be favored on a neutral field against every other opponent in college football. They tell you, and then those four teams are in the playoff. Because I'm, I'm going to promise you something right now. Vegas knows way better than those numb nuts penis suckers that make up the college football playoff committee. I, I, I'm, oh, I'm so close to and, losing my and, mind. And the thing is, it's they've they always say this that their job is to put in the four best teams. They've never put in the four best teams. Not not one, one time. And in that that streak continues. By the way, that yes, streak it continues. Can, it has always been the most deserving slash the easiest teams they could justify putting in the play. You're telling me Washington, the year they made it, was one of the four best teams. You're telling me freaking, uh, oh, God, I'm, I'm blanking on another year. Michigan State. Thank you. Michigan State, who got blanked by Alabama. You're telling me they were one of the four best teams that year. They've never done four best teams. It's always been most deserving, except with the four spot this year. And, and it goes back to the hypocrisy because they've always done the thing leading up to this. They've always done the thing that made sense because of the result on the field. People might not have liked it, but because of what the results were on the field leading up to the four-team playoff, that was how they chose who the four most deserving teams were. And, and now, magically, out of thin air, fairy dust pulled out of your keister rear end, we get one loss Alabama in over an undefeated Power 5 champion. And, and I, I understand we're belaboring the point, but I'll be done with this and you guys can carry it to Mexico. Do what you got to do. There is no situation where now... Who knows who's going to play and who's not going to play in that Florida State-Georgia game. But if Florida State beats Georgia in that game, well, what's stopping Florida State from saying, we want a natty? Nothing. Pulling a UCF. They will. 
No, they Nothing will. Nothing is stopping them. Yep. They absolutely will do that. And they'll be motivated to play. Especially because a lot of people's perception is Georgia's still the best team in the country. Alabama has a loss and Georgia has a loss. A lot of people's perception is Georgia's still the best team out there. It, the, you can go look on the projections. Georgia on a neutral field is the the closest spread that they have. They're a one and a half point favorite over Michigan. They are a bigger favorite than that against every other team in the country on a neutral field. So if they were to run it back against Alabama, they'd be a favorite again. For yeah, it's give me that garbage argument. Yeah, I I just can't believe they all had the gall to sit in a room and keep out an undefeated conference champ. Um, I'll end it with this, and then we can move on to the matchup between Michigan and Alabama. My favorite part about what was on ESPN this morning was when Heather Dinklage came on and said the reason they left out Florida State was because they averaged 3.4 yards per play against Louisville. I've, I missed the memo where that was the most important stat in all of football. I, I, I didn't realize that was how we ranked teams. If I never had to listen to another word that woman says, which I never seek out content that she is a part of, oh my lord. Like her and Paul Feinbaum being on Get Up at the same time, whoa. And all Paul does is sit to the side and laugh to himself while other people are talking. And he shrugs his shoulders and laughs and smiles. They're both they're both a bunch of idiots. There's a reason ESPN doesn't talk about college football. It's because they have two caricatures up there to hey, talk about it. The the Big Ten is done with them next year. Praise Jesus. Thank God. Okay. So Florida State's not in it. That's the reality. Alabama is. So we get a Michigan versus Alabama Rose Bowl on January 1st in Pasadena. What are your initial reactions to this? I believe Michigan started out as a a two-and-a-half point favorite in some places. I believe it's down to one-and-a-half right now. Uh, Corey, I'll start with you. What are you thinking going into this game? You've got a lot of variables. Harbaugh hasn't been great in in bowl games. You obviously have the GOAT and Saban. Bama's playing their best football right now. Michigan's a little bit injured. What is your what are your initial thoughts about this game? Plain and simple. If you want to be the best, you gotta beat the best. Um every Michigan fan that we've been arguing about this an entire in an entire if we looked in the mirror, if we were completely honest with ourselves, who would you as a fan rather have played? Florida State right now. Or Alabama? Who would you have rather played? Florida State. We'd be a 16-point favorite over Florida State. Okay. Florida State. So, Alabama, regardless of if they deserve to be there or not, best team, whatever. Horrifying matchup. Absolutely horrifying matchup. And they probably match up just about as the best out of anybody in the playoff with Michigan. I would have felt way more confident if Michigan had been matched up with Texas or Washington, but Saban is a winner. It's like it's like the argument that we've had with Ohio State. Ohio State, up until this three-year stretch, knew how to beat Michigan. They knew how to win. They knew how to have a culture of success, and that is Alabama to a T. So, yes, I'm very horrified. I don't feel very good, 
the one thing Michigan would have going for them is they have Harbaugh back, and they're about as locked in as we have ever seen any Michigan team that we have ever seen in the past decade. And then I think I, I somebody made the point too, just like reading through some of like the early scouting reports. Um, I'm not saying Orgy is a carbon copy of Milrow, but that's about the closest that you can get from a scout team perspective uh, that you can have uh, to Alabama with, I would, I would, I would think just about anybody else in the country. Um, so and Milrow, although a very good athlete, questions about the passing game, or at least there's been a, a few inconsistencies there. Now he's going to be an absolute threat because he's going to run all over the field. And I think Michigan's going to have a hard time with that early on in the game. It'll come down to second half adjustments again. Like it always has, like Minter has proven the past three seasons. How is Michigan going to react to Alabama? And how are they going to, I guess, uh, absorb those first few body shots? Is it going to be a situation where they're uh, down by a couple of scores? Or is it going to be a situation where they're keeping pace with them and they're trying to they're trying to, you know, keep it up in a track meet. I'm not quite sure. Um, I know this will probably be the most nervous I'll be at any game outside of the Ohio State game because Nick Saban's a winner. He is the winner of college football, and uh, you got to slay the giant if you want to be a champ. So those are my thoughts. I, I You made so many good points there, and I oh. – here, here's here's what I'll say. My initial analysis of this game is, for once, and this is kind of crazy to say, um, because over the past two decades you have not been able to say it. I think Michigan has the more talented roster. I think Michigan has the better overall team than Alabama. Now, Alabama is the best coached team in the country. Nick Saban. And especially with giving him a month of time to prepare for this game, that is a huge advantage for Alabama. And I think you can you can kind of see how much respect Vegas truly has for this Michigan team and for the roster construction that they have. They're in. Guys, can can I talk about one thing real quick? I, I'm watching the timer tick by. I won't take more than 30 seconds to talk about this. Michigan going out and getting Turner as a transfer to come in and kick field goals has been enormous in the three biggest games Michigan has played so far this year. Like, has been absolutely huge. We thought Jake, losing Jake Moody was going to be a massive deal. And he has gone out there and in two different huge scenarios has drilled 50 yard field goals. So that that's a big thing to have in a college football game. Um, and I say that because I could see this game coming down to a field goal or, you know, something of the sort, but I do believe that Michigan has the better overall team. It's just going to be like what Corey was saying. How do you adjust? Because I do think there's a good chance Michigan falls behind in this game 
um, because of the play style of Milrow and what he can do with his legs. It's going to be about those adjustments. And I, I, <laughs> I truly do think that there is an element of this game where you take Mikey Saner still, you take Will Johnson, you put them out on some islands and you load up the box and you protect against Milrow's legs. I think that there's going to be some situations where that's just what's going to have to happen. And those are two NFL caliber corners and you just got to trust them. And I think there there's going to be some times where we have one safety over the top or none. And that's just going to be the style of defense that Michigan's going to play in this game. Um, And obviously offensively, I think you've got to kind of cut the rope. Um, on McCarthy and I think you've got to open him up a little bit in this game. You keep it under control obviously, but he made some big plays in the Ohio State game with his legs. Um I think you might have to let him do that a little bit more even in this game. My initial reaction to this, especially taking into account Harbaugh's bull performances as Michigan's head coach, is that if Michigan's going to win this game, it's going to take the best coaching performance of Jim Harbaugh's career at Michigan. Because like you said, Ethan, Michigan may have the more talented roster. Like, and you, and you look at some key, you know, I haven't done a deep dive on the game, but Alabama is a very heavily penalized team. Michigan is not. Alabama does not do a great job of protecting the quarterback. They've allowed some of the most sacks in the nation this year. Michigan has not. Uh, Bama is like a 30th in rush defense, and I think they're in the teens in total defense. Michigan is elite in both of those things. I'm so sorry, real quick, because you just punched on something that's so huge. Alabama is bad against the run. Like, you they're 30 something, whatever. Look at that. It, like they played against Auburn. Auburn cannot throw the ball down the field. They are the Rutgers of the SEC. That it like, I cannot think of a better comparison than they are the Rutgers of the SEC. And Rutgers they are all over Alabama in that game. Yeah. So you, you look at some things like that and you think, man, no wonder Michigan's the favorite, but Saban, always, always uses this gap in time between the end of the season to the playoff to get the best out of his teams. You know, people talk about how the playoffs, these semifinal games have consistently been blowouts. It's because when you give coaches three weeks to prepare, the difference in coaching ability, it gets emphasized it increases exponentially the more time you give elite coaches to prep. So obviously Saban is going to blow out, you know, a D'Antonio at Michigan State. You know, so so how is Harbaugh going to prepare to minimize that coaching gap or potentially give Michigan a coaching advantage over the next couple of weeks to actually take advantage of what could potentially be a more talented roster, but at worst, I think there's even talent across the board. Like this is not a Bama team that has a Julio Jones or a Mari Cooper or Devonte Smith on the outside, right? They've got, they've got dudes at receiver, 
But like you said, they might be able to take Will Johnson and, and Sainer still and put him on islands and play just a standard defense, and that's a huge advantage. Is it is it too crazy to say that this is the least talented football team that Saban has taken to the playoff? I, I think that's an easy statement to make. I agree too, one hundred percent. I agree. I think defense I think defensively, least talented roster he's ever brought to the playoff. Offensively, you look at their weapons, they're not loaded on offense. They have playmakers for sure, but they're not it's not guys that are like, oh my gosh, look at Jameson Williams flying around the field. Look at, you know, Derrick Henry doing his thing or you, you know, whatever. Jalen Milrow has become a very, very good player, but he's still very mistake prone. Um, so I, I, I think as far as coaching job goes, this is the creme de la creme of what Nick Saban has been able to accomplish at Alabama. The exact because, opposite of last year, having correct. all of that talent and missing the playoff. Yes. Yeah. It, great. That That is a great way to say it because – he has turned it around and brought a team that really, I think, I, I mean, I said before the season, I thought this Alabama team would lose three games. And for him to come out and, you know, obviously they came out and beat Georgia in that SEC championship game, which it took some help from Georgia. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but they won. And, you know, they they played the better game. I think real quick, I think a big thing too. Uh, one of the things that Ohio State tried to do against J.J. McCarthy last year was going to make him throw the ball, going to force him to throw the ball, and they connected on a few home run plays. I, I, I guess I would be a little bit concerned of like going to Milrow's weaknesses, which, again, inconsistencies in the pass game, and trying to make them beat you that way because I think that's what they're like. It's like the chessboard that they're making them do. What I would be most interested in, solo tackles on Milrow. What happens when he gets in open space? Because Michigan does a really, really good job of solo tackles, You know, going down to the ankles, whatever you want to call it. You're not going to be able to do that against this guy. He's a bruiser, and he is an athlete. If they can contain him in some way, shape, or form – I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really uneasy, but you make some excellent points. And it's really going to come down to how electric is Milrow going to be against this Michigan defense? I, I would set the number at 72 yards. If you can hold him to under 72 yards rushing, you're probably doing pretty, pretty darn good. If you're holding him to under that number, that means that. He's having sh- some shorter rush, sh- some shorter runs, and that means that you're making him use his arm more. So I would say that that number is kind of something to. I'd be very interested what the over under is for his rush total. I haven't looked yet, but I do think that that would be something that to keep an eye on. Well, this is going to be a fun one. Um... I think both playoff games, both semifinals are actually going to be insane. The over-under on Texas-Washington is like 63 right now. So that one should be electric. Um, Two of the biggest brands in the game right now in Michigan and Alabama playing in 
maybe the most iconic college football stadium you can, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. It's going to be great. We're not giving picks right now. Those are just our initial thoughts. Um, but this is going to be a great playoff, a great playoff, even though Florida State should be in it. Okay. Uh, let's quickly hit on a couple of coaching hires. You know what? No, let's do the bowl games first. Let's talk about our favorite bowl games in the Big Ten. Let's go through the matchups. So the first one we're going to get is on December 23rd, the Las Vegas Bowl. Northwestern cannot say enough about their season. They will be taking on Utah in the Las Vegas Bowl, the Quick Lane Bowl, which Corey will be at, the Minnesota Golden Gophers taking on Bowling Green, the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It is Corey's favorite Sickos team and his favorite Sicko Bowl game, all wrapped up into one. I can't think of a better a better holiday gift for Corey. Rutgers is <coughs> excuse me. Rutgers is playing uh, Miami Hurricanes in the Pinstripe Bowl. Cotton Bowl. Ohio State minus Kyle McCord will take on Missouri in that one. Penn State will play in the Peach Bowl against Ole Miss. Music City Bowl will be Maryland against Auburn. Cheez-It Citrus Bowl will be Iowa against Tennessee. I can't think of two more different teams playing each other unless it was like USC or LSU instead of of Tennessee. But that one will be hilarious. And then I believe we've got one more. Wisconsin is playing uh, against said LSU in the Really a Quest Bowl. Um, highlights from bowl season that are not the playoff. Corey, I'll, I'll let you take this one. You're going to have some kind of entertaining answer. <laughs> Why? Why would you say something like that? Uh, okay. So number one, I am going to the quick lane bowl because my buddy is a Bowling Green grad. Um, so we went last year and Bowling Green played in that game. Fun, stupid bowl game. And now we have an excuse to... <laughs> see Minnesota get gifted a bull berth and potentially get gifted an eighth extra loss for their season. And I think that'd be really funny. I think the Northwestern Utah game, I mean, we're all going to tune in just because we're, we're really just kind of in awe of the turnaround of that program. But I would, I would say that Utah is probably the better version of Northwestern as far as like that toughness grinds you down and will like, you know, a team that you don't want to play on the road. And that's what Utah has kind of been in the Pac-12, you know, thorn in a lot of these high-powered offenses side. Um, I think the Rutgers-Miami game is an intriguing matchup. Um, And I think that Iowa and Tennessee is just going to be an incredible display of like you've seen all those sicko stuff of like giving you a USC UCLA like barn burner of like 65 to 61 and then it's like Iowa Nebraska deadlocked at 0 in the third quarter and there was like saying like this is the same sport it's those two worlds coming together and we'll see if Iowa can play boa constrictor and just put whoever's going to be at quarterback for Tennessee uh in in that uh level they're going to I was going to show the people what real football is like. I am not excited for most of these. It's also going to depend on who plays. Like, who's playing at freaking quarterback for, for Ohio State? 
I mean, come on. Uh, Ohio State, real quick, Ohio State opened as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. You would think not having your starting quarterback would be, like, such a big deal, you know, because it's such a big deal for Florida State not having theirs. Well, now they're only two-and-a-half-point favorites instead of six-and-a-half. But that's enough to keep you out of the playoff. You mean they weren't going to get blown out with their, their starting quarterback? Don't get Ethan going. Don't poke the bear. He's already upset. Um, what I was going to say. They have one of the best, the four best defenses in the country, Florida State. They probably have the second best defense in the country behind Michigan. I think it's slightly better than Ohio State's. I think I think defensively, like if we if we were to measure it as like how do you perform against really high level talent, I would say Michigan one, I would say Florida State two, I would say Ohio State three and Iowa four, but but don't but don't by by all freaking means, don't put them in the playoff, because they didn't do enough to deserve that. Ethan, you can't win with defense. Oh, oh, wait, they won all their games. Yeah, but the, didn't you know that the quarterback broke his leg? You can't have a quarterback with a broken leg in the college football playoff. No other, no other institution of sports has any ludicrous criteria like that. And for good reason, there's a very good reason why they don't have that type of criteria. Because you cannot go out there and play the well, what would the spread be in a game like this, which they've never done before? They only did it to cater to the SEC. Ethan, That's it. But they don't cater to the ACC. If there was an undefeated SEC. Alabama, if if they if they if there was an undefeated Alabama and Jalen Milrow had broken his leg in the last couple of games, they would have kept them out of the playoff. <laughs> and, and and if if you are an Alabama or an SEC fan, and you believe that that is actually true, the amount of absolute, what what's the word I'm looking for here? Seek psychological help. No, 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 no. Um, what is it where, where you can't admit your own faults? Like, what is that called? When like you, you just cannot, you blatantly can't see the amount of like SEC rose-colored glasses you have on to have that opinion—you are literally Paul Feinbaum. If you have that opinion, you are Paul Feinbaum. Well, he's a genius. Well, and and they do have rose-colored glasses. Alabama's in the Rose Bowl this year. So, what are you trying to say? Thank, thank you, Corey. You're welcome. I'm just helping you out. Wait, hold on. Real, I, I hate, I hate the SEC so much already. I hate them. But for the college football playoff committee to just get down on their hands and knees and be like, "What can we do for you? What can we do?" The SEC did what every single other Power Five conference to this point had done at some point, which is screw themselves in the championship game. We've seen it in the Big Ten. We've seen it in the Pac-12 last year. We've seen it in the ACC. We we have seen it across the board, except for in the SEC. Until this year, 
And then this is the year that the committee decides, well, we're going to do something we've never done before and let the SEC still be in. They Tell me what the difference is of letting in UCLA instead of a TCU team last year. They both lost their championship games. And no, nobody would have argued that, well, head-to-head, TCU would, would beat USC. Nobody would have said that. So why not put in the two-loss USC team? You, you did everything you could to cater to the SEC because you are a bunch of reckless whores. <gasps> oh, he's so mad. They have no, they have no, they, they're, and then the, this, the CFP commissioner gets on there and is talking to Reese Davis and he looks like he's high on shrooms. He can't look, he doesn't even know where the camera is to look into. The man's a blubbering buffoon and you put him out there to talk and it's like, what is he going to say? What, what, what do you want him to say? Well, we really were trying to put the four best teams at wrong. You didn't do that. Ethan, he knows ball, and you don't. Okay. Okay. Then tell me me why every former player, all of the former players who are analysts analysts on ESPN and CBS and all of those types of networks, why are those the guys that are coming out there and being like, this doesn't make any sense? Maybe that's what the committee should be made up of. Play people who have played the game, people who understand the complexity and the dynamics of the game of football. Maybe those are the people that should be making up a college football playoff committee. I think we but, should make that up makes a college too much football sense. playoff committee. That may, well, we would have made a better decision than these morons did. I would have put James Madison in. No, I would have put I would have put Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa. Those would have been the four teams. I would have put Michigan, 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 and Michigan and awarded them the national championship. Yeah, why not? I don't see any I don't see any you put the four best teams in. There you go. No one's I put the four I put the four best teams in. And that's our only job on this playoff committee is to put the four best if we're putting the four honestly, in all seriousness, if they were gonna put the four best teams in, they would have put the 49ers the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Lions, if they were really going to put the four best teams in. Okay. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, just real quick, I want both of you to rattle off your top four that you would have put in. Uh, Alex, go first. Michigan, Washington, Texas, uh, Florida State. Not necessarily in that order. What what criteria are we going off of? Bet four best? Your criteria. My, you you are selecting the teams. I would have I done... Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Texas, in that order. I, I would have done Michigan, Washington, and I think I would have as well gone Florida State, Texas, because Texas has the loss. So I would have put them at four. So I, I agree with you, Corey. I think, I think we all agree that that's the four teams that, because you have to go by what teams deserve it. You can't. You once you start leaving the the deserve part 
and the who we think part, you start going into the who we think part, you lose all credibility. Yeah. Because you don't get to think. You don't get to think. You don't get to have thought processes. You have to allow what transpired on the football field determine everything. End story. Period. I think Ethan is a big fan of the playoff. I think he's a big fan of the SEC, too, I think. That's what I'm gathering from this. Ethan, are you – you're going to pick Alabama, aren't you? Are, are we an SEC podcast now? If you love SEC football, then you came to the right Shut place. Your I don't. Mouth. I don't care about piss except the tide. Roll tide. If you if you love SEC football, then grab your cousin, smooch her on the face, and wait. She's your wife. Grab your wife, cousin, and smooch her on the lips, and have another eight-toed baby. Here's Paul Feinbaum with the forecast. Jim Harbaugh is a crook. We didn't ask you about Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's a crook. I have no hair. I said leave the sides. If Paul if Paul Feinbaum found himself on a cruise ship that sunk and was swimming with the Sharks, he would start telling the Sharks about how bad of a coach Jim Harbaugh is. <laughs> how bad of a person Jim Harbaugh was because he didn't give him a life jacket. You guys should find Jim Harbaugh and eat him because he is a terrible person. I wonder what he's going to do if they win the Natty. And beat Bama in the process? He's not going to claim claim the national title because they cheated. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. Which, by the way... I forgot that Paul Feinbaum gets to decide. We are are completely just, just... unraveled at this point in the show. I'm going to put my conspiracy hat on right now just as a, as a fan. Uh so we 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 all we heard 24/7 nonstop was Michigan cheated, sign stealing, blah 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 blah. Sean Moore takes over, does his thing, Michigan beats Ohio State. What have you heard from the sign stealing scandal? ESPN shut their mouths as soon as it happened. I literally, Corey, I'm so glad you brought this up because the morning after they beat Ohio State, I turned on, or the Monday after they beat Ohio State, I turned on Get Up. I searched all of Get Up's social media. I looked on First Take social media. I watched. No, Paul Feinbaum. No, Paul Feinbaum anywhere to be found. Paul Feinbaum must have been busy. Every Monday morning, he was gone. He must have been busy that day. I guess he and Heather had had something else in their schedule to do that morning. No sign of them. They they bring up the game on Get Up and on actually no, they didn't talk about the game on Get Up. On first take, they talked about it after Stephen A. Smith went on his whole thing about they're costing all these kids. Well, what about these other kids? They're costing these other kids a spot in the playoff. They bring it up on first take. Oh, the, that's. Quality win by Michigan. It was a really good game. Uh, hey, Molly, I want to say that this literally happened. Stephen A goes, Molly, I want to say this. And Molly goes, actually, no, we have to go to commercial. She cut off Stephen A. Smith, which never freaking happens. They went to the commercial. They came back, and they never talked about the game again. Zero. ESPN is a trash network that does not care about college football. Nope. And the SEC can have fun laying in that bed for however long that contract is. Oh, and, and I, I know people who are fans of the SEC and I have told them, 
I cannot wait for you to come and complain to me about who is calling this, who's calling my game on Saturday. Who is this buffoon calling my games? Like they have some of the worst broadcasting crews on ESPN to call games other than the Saturday night game that's on ABC. They don't have good crews to call football games. They don't. They don't. That's because they don't want to call college football games. If ESPN could launch college football off the face of the earth, they would. Even though they have the coverage for like everything. Actually, they're probably going to dive really deep into it now that they have the SEC and go like all in on college football because they will suckle at the teat of the SEC every single chance they get. Oh, I just need Paul Feinbaum and his 96-year-old self to pass away. (laughs) (laughs) We are so unhinged. Go go be with your Lord and Savior. Like I don't Nick need Saban. you anymore. <laughs> Lord yeah. Nick Saban. Yeah. Instead of however many like his twenty seven virgins or whatever, oh he gets twenty seven Nick Saban. Oh my god. He gets twenty seven he gets twenty seven Nick Sabins to chill in heaven with. Ethan. Oh no. Him him and that one guy who poisoned the trees just for all eternity. Didn't he just die? I'm pretty sure he just died. He actually did. He actually did. Oh, sorry, Polly, you're next. <laughs> can we can we publish this episode? Question mark. You edit it. It's up to you. Oh Corey. no! You're, you're the long you're the long arm of the law, and you're the pastor. Oh no! So. Oh, well, my luckily, I have the disclaimer of uh, I do not share the opinions of my other co-hosts in this. I I just today my the owner of my company at work I was talking to him he's a sports guy he's a Michigan fan just today I told him like I'll be recording the podcast tonight and he was like what's the name of your podcast I want to check it out so um Ethan might not have a job the next so, time we record so Andrew if you are listening to this I appreciate you so much listening Please do not hold this against me for work. <laughs> this is a, this is our personal time. Yeah, correct. I, also, I have my personal time. Also, RIP to the tree guy. I don't I don't know that there's ever been a more dedicated person to his team other than Connor Stallions. No, true. No, Connor Stallions simply just attacked each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. This guy, Connor Stallions. Connor Stallions is now employed by Dave Portnoy. I saw that he keeps showing up in his videos. I mean, sick gig for that dude. Works for his works for his dream team. The rumor the rumor is is that he paid him a million bucks to just basically like anytime I want you to pop up, you pop up. Release the manifesto. That's yes. what I want. As a as a bar stool exclusive pay per view, like release the manifesto. Dude, they would make so much money. Sports business is easy. What do you freaking? I I got a degree in this. What, Dave? Listen, call me up. Call me up. We'll figure out a pay to. We'll pay, figure out a pay per view for the Michigan Manifesto. It'll make you a billion dollars. 
Well, ladies and gents, we had other things that we wanted to get to into this podcast, but next we time. did not do it. Next time. We did not do it. We will we will touch on um, some new coaching hires in the Big Ten. Um, obviously, there's been some pretty big news in that realm, whether it be Michigan State or Indiana. Um, could argue that Indiana got the better end of that deal. Um which is kind of crazy, but we will talk about that in the next episode. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to check us out on all the social medias. Um, and this has been Big Banter, and we are out. Peace.